Hello, welcome to Typewriter Talks. This podcast features interviews with writers, poets, and other bookish folks. My name is Maureen McDowell, and I'm the founder and executive director of Keep St. Pete Lit, which is a literary arts organization based in St. Petersburg, Florida. On Typewriter Talks, we discuss all kinds of writerly topics, hoping to show you that there is not one right way to be a writer. Typewriter Talks began in April 2020 and ran through March 2021 in response to COVID as an online talk that spanned 39 episodes, which can be found on our Keep St. Pete Lit YouTube channel. After taking a break to regroup, we decided to return as a podcast. Today, we are happy to welcome the fabulous Gloria Munoz. She is a poet, writer, teacher, singer, basically a Renaissance woman. She has just been appointed St. Petersburg's third poet laureate. She recently partnered with the city of St. Petersburg on the first annual City of Writers Poetry Festival taking place throughout the month of April. Welcome, Gloria. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So tell us about the City of Writers Poetry Festival. So the focus of this festival is accessibility. I wanted to work with the city and other artists and arts organizations here in St. Petersburg um, to create poetry focused events that felt inclusive, diverse, and um, like available to everyone. Um, so we've been working in different spaces uh, with people across ages, across cultures, races, and um, we're excited to just kind of begin this festival and see how it does with this um, this year, this first inaugural year. I, I personally want to say thank you for hosting this festival because Keep St. Pete Lit um, usually hosts our Sunlit Literary Festival and we decided to table that. And it was perfectly timed that the City of Writers Poetry Festival in partnership with the city of St. Petersburg took off like right in the same month. It was like so seamless for this to come in its place. So I want to say thank you so Great. much for that. <laughs> Filling that void and that gap and, you know, taking the reins of, um, it's, it's no small feat doing a month long poetry festival, any festival. No, so. oh, no, definitely <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> and, and Keep St. Pila has been so great, grateful to be able to partner on this with you too. And, um, yeah. But you're also a dear friend of mine. So uh, you actually, we interviewed you three years ago for the typewriter talks that was a part of the COVID-19 um, programming yes. that we did. So now you're so the long poet ago. <laughs> I know it's, it's wild. I was thinking about that because we stopped after 39 episodes um, in April, 2021. But I was like, I could literally re-interview every single person and they're going to be in a total different journey at the, yes. at the creative. So now you are the third poet laureate of St. Pete. Tell us about that journey. How's that feel? Um, it's good. It's exciting. It's been fun. Um, I'm excited to be the first Latina poet laureate, of course. And I'm also like, just thinking about poetry as something that's a lot more fluid than we think, um, as something that is a lot more a part of different art forms and, you know, even our everyday lives. And so that's been a lot of fun for me. And it's also been a good reflective time as well, even though it's been 
a busy time. There's just been pockets of like thinking about like what this role is and also um, what poetry and my own writing means to me. Isn't that always a daily reflection? I wake up thinking those things. <laughs> yeah. It's always gearing like they don't, you know, people who are not creatives, I don't think you realize like even the daydreaming time of just staring at a wall is part of the writing process and the creative process. Definitely. Yeah, the internal world, which you don't see as much in our, um, and it's not as valued as much in our very external hustle culture is so necessary for- So necessary. Yeah, to yeah, have that most of the like, it's yeah, it's like where most of the like writing, planning, mapping honestly happens for me is just in that time, like in that internal time. Like it's not shown to anyone, it's not seen, it's not able to make a profit. It's just is it's yeah. internal thing. Yeah, I am grateful that like all these kind of movements are starting about like with the nap ministry and um about the value of rest and honoring introverts and honoring the quiet spaces and to like really counteract that we have to constantly be go, 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 go. And I think COVID that was one of the gifts, if you can call COVID a gift, at least for me, was that it really showed me that like, I need a lot of quiet time. And I really only wear like three dresses a week, (laughs) you know, like, Oh, we were so external yeah. in culture. And I'm hoping, I'm catching myself not to get back on that hamster wheel um, yeah. and value, value my time more. So tell us what you're working on right now. Uh, I'm working on a few different projects. Um, one is a, I write across genres. So I don't know. I think that's just how I think. I don't necessarily, um, even though I write a lot of poetry, I identify a lot as a poet. I don't necessarily love the binaries of genres being compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working on a novel in verse, um, working on a collection of essays that is really funky and experimental and it just is taking a lot of time and I'm letting it take the time it needs. Yeah. And um, I'm working on two novels that I, uh, I'm very excited for like one is YA and one is um, adult like literary fiction and they're both very different um, but they mm-hmm. were kind of born born at the same time like in my thinking and I was just very excited to get them each started so I've drafted to a good midpoint in both of them and now you know there comes a time when you're somebody who juggles multiple creative projects where you have to let one of them really take the lead to finish that one so it's like I always yeah. know that time for me, it's like the middle because nobody likes the middle of a book. It's like the dreaded middle. So I'm like there with both of those novels. And that's where I'm like, okay, sit and think about which one is taking the lead so you can finish it to then, you know, go back and finish the other one. Um, so I'm at that space right now. So I'm just giving myself time to sit and think with them and to, um, yeah, take that time to think of the best order and step forward here. So you teach full-time, correct? And you're a mother and you also are now the Poet Laureate and doing a citywide web festival. And you also are married and also a a good friend. And how, what does a typical day look like for you as a writer with all of these tabs open, if you will? 
Oh, there are so many tabs. I know our video is not on, but like if you could see my computer, there's so many tabs. Um, it looks like, I don't know, it looks like just being flexible. Like I get asked a lot, like when, when do I write? Like do I have a ritual? And I think pre-kid I had a ritual, like where I was a lot more able to like separate every part of my day and really, really like, you know, block off and highlight or bullet journal the crap out of my day and my routine. Yeah. And um, like I had like morning time and nighttime, like a block of nighttime where I wrote and things like that. And now I write, like, I'm never not writing. It's kind of like what I feel like. I mean, I, I say that that sounds like an overstatement. Like there are times where I am like doing something like mundane, like emails, which I despise or Mm. something like that, Mm -hmm. which very much feels like no writing is happening. Like it's so uncreative and and boring to me, but um, I write a lot when I drive, like, and I'm thinking aloud and kind of recording thoughts or just even sitting with like, I have playlists for my characters and sitting with that playlist and really mapping out a scene um I have a like a break at school when I'm teaching for two hours and I spend those two hours writing like I I, I'm like a Virgo super planner so I plan my classes very meticulously out at the start of the semester so that Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of prep to do the day of but I get that time to write um so I just yeah I just kind of I don't know I just do like all the things are a part of my life and like the identity stuff like the mom and being a friend and a spouse and all that stuff like that to me it doesn't feel like it it's part of the calendar because it is like my life you know yeah yeah. like like all the other stuff is part of the like all the administrative stuff to me feels like part of the calendar but I'm like you know we do that stuff I watch reality tv when I have to respond to a bunch of emails that I don't want to respond to oh that's hysterical my kid does that yeah I try to give myself some treats like some junk food for the brain when I'm when I'm doing something that feels um, like time consuming and like a really, you know, just like intensive task for the mind and body, I try to just treat myself with grace where I can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but everybody does a lot of stuff. I feel like that's something, I don't know. I get that question a lot about like, you're so busy. How do you do everything? I'm like, who's not busy? Like, I feel like everybody is in some yeah, way, get, you know, I like, get that question a lot too. I think it's important. Like you've mentioned, like, it's all just like one big life. Like it's all the creative life, all these different things. And you're bringing the creativity into parenting. You're bringing yeah. your teaching and you're bringing, and I like that what you say about emails. Cause somebody I learned recently about habit stacking where like, like when I'm making my tea, I'll do the dishes. So you're doing something one thing and then maybe maybe like listen to a podcast while you clean the house and that's a way to get through those like really you know like you're doing the reality tv while you're like um you know answering emails which I I could I I I would get so sucked into the lives and the reality tv it would probably bleed over into my emails (laughs) (laughs) well good I hope I mean I kind of hope it I kind of hope it does most of the time I'm so tired by the time I'm responding to emails at the end of the day or early in the morning that I'm like, I hope that like pop voice just like seeps into my email. I know. That's you smart. Like, okay. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell people I check People Magazine really pretty regularly online and I can't even tell you how, like I, it saved me sometimes talking to kids because I know what's popular right now or what's going on. And I, 
just from that oh, pop yeah. culture <laughs> reference. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm sitting here, it was like this guilty pleasure, but then I was like, wow, this really has saved me to bring up, you know, whatever in front of a kid. And they're like, oh yeah, you're not some old person that's trying to torture me <laughs> with some writing lesson. So you already mentioned that your writing process changed uh, when, since becoming a parent, but how else has your writing process changed over the years? Um, I think I take a lot of time to kind of ferment an idea. I -hmm. think when I was a newer writer and I don't think it's better, I don't think it's better or worse, honestly, because I think there's something really cool to just jumping in. But I think when I was a newer writer, I would just be like, I wrote the thing and now I need to immediately read it somewhere or like just share it with friends or I don't know, or like it immediately, like that's it. And I really now don't do that. Like I very much value like sitting with an idea and letting it evolve before I even like start writing. Cause I think the initial idea is just like the, the tip of the iceberg. Like there's so much more to it usually that I need to just like think about. Um, So again, it's like that private space, like that internal processing um, for me is really important now. And then I also really value revision a lot. Like mm-hmm. I love revising. I think that's like my jam. Like I can draft a book, like anybody can draft a book. Like it just is writing through it, you know, mm-hmm. but the revising for me feels like where the work really happens for, for my writing. Um, yeah. So that's been really helpful to just like kind of re like really re-see the work in revision. And, you know, and not even think, think of that first draft as like that perfect, ugly baby that it needs to be like, it just needs to be written to then move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I often talk about um, telling writers, like sometimes they bring the critic into, you know, the editing in too fast. And it's like, I mean, everybody's different, but for me, I, I find like getting the work down Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll revise a little bit, but I really try to stay in that right brain. And then you bring yeah. that editing left brain in later, sometimes years later. And yeah. then it's interesting because you've lived this life since you wrote the initial piece. So then you bring that other piece. It's like there was one Maureen that wrote it and then another Maureen edits it. <laughs> and it's yes. so fascinating because it's like you're a different person. Even if you edit a poem a week later, you've had a week full of experiences that will inform that poem. But to me, that's like the part about why being a writer is like the coolest thing ever. It's almost like that's the payoff for actually the way writing is viewed in our culture in some ways. Like it's such a joy, even though, you know, it can be tricky, you know, with the editing and all that and looking at your book for the 10th, 100th time and like, oh, just go away. I'm ready for something new. Yeah, no, definitely. It, It can be hard. But I, so what I also would, like, oh, go ahead. Oh, go no. Ahead. I was going to say, yeah. I also like writers who like edit their own work, like really spend time with their work. I do think there's something to that. Like, I, I know there's a lot of amazing editors out there, but yeah. I do think like part of the writing is also editing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I really love that. Like I even, you know, before someone, like I've had people reach out about like, editing or consulting and I'm like well have you like have you sat with it to like try this out because there's something really valuable to that part of the writing process like before giving it off to like a stranger for example um, yeah just I really value that in my own writing 
Yeah, I also, it took me many, 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 many years to be comfortable setting, giving myself, giving my right, get, it, lip, lip, I just did a slip, giving myself to someone else. Because <laughs> it does yeah. feel like that with your writing, like you're giving yourself to another person to trust that they will receive what you're offering in a way that doesn't, I mean, I there some students go to school and go to art school and it just destroys them by the way that their work is received and then we never touch it again. So it's this really gentle dance to try to find someone that you really trust to exactly. look at your work and edit your, edit your work. I mean, it is a relationship and to jump into that so fast and just like give it away to somebody that you don't really even know if they're safe. Yeah, uh, it can really derail your writing practice. So I like that you said sit with it because then you you get it also I think would really it really helps you to value what you've written because you you get really con connected to it in ways if you just write it off and write it and then send it off somewhere you're not necessarily that connections that not there where if you really Definitely. feel that you've done your best and edited it to the best of your ability and then you're ready to find someone else I think that's a good that's a really good writing um, practice. So what would you tell your younger writer self? Um, hmm. I would, I would say that there's time. I feel like I felt in a really big hurry. I mean, I still, like my younger self, I still feel this from time to time where I feel like in a hurry to finish things mm -hmm. um, and to do things and to publish things, et cetera. And just like that, there's time, like, so much of the publishing world is like hurry up and wait like in every direction mm -hmm. so um the rush is truly unnecessary um yeah I think that would be a big thing just like that there's time for for projects and for things and to grow and to think I love that I love that yeah because we I always say slow and steady wins the race <laughs> Yeah. And then also like you can make mistakes in private, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. these people that, you know, we think we need to be famous like right away. And it's like, well, you're going to be famous on a world stage and you're going to be working all this stuff. These young people that become famous, like they're working it all out. Um, yeah. At least like when I was growing up in the nineties, we didn't have social media. So you can make mistakes in private. <laughs> it's just yeah. like now everything is so public and it's just like really. I like that idea of like waiting and being patient. And I also think that, you know, your writing journey has its own path and we can get our ego so involved in it. And maybe mm -hmm. you get yourself somewhere you don't necessarily want to be or something new is coming with that the waiting allows it to manifest. So I always think it's interesting to see where the journey takes us and the long game you know, the long game. I yeah, think a the good, long a game of it. It's a good. So um, what are you reading right now? And or, or and or some of your favorite authors? Ah, oh, some of my favorite authors. There's so many. <laughs> um, I uh, actually Maria Mora's first book is on my nightstand right now. Um, I'm looking up the remedy. I'm looking, hold on. Let me look up the actual title. Yeah, and um, Maria is Fragile a, she, Remedy. Yeah, she actually was on our board for a while and is a St. Pete writer. So yeah, she has a new book out that yes, has yeah. just been released. 
So uh, yeah, Fragile Remedy, okay. Um, Fragile Remedy, and then I'm very excited for her next book, um, The Immeasurable Depth of mm -hmm. You or Us, mm -hmm. um, which I think just came out actually. Yeah, it did just go out, um, yeah. which is very exciting. And yeah, I just, you know, I attended a wonderful panel that Maria was on and I really wanted to get to know her writing more, The Measurable Depth of You is the name of it, the new book. Um, I so I it. was like, well, I want to read the first one before I read the next one. Um, so I've been reading that and um, yeah, just poetry. And I read Night Bitch recently by Rachel Yoder. I don't know if I'm great, saying Great, great title. Uh, it was <laughs> fantastic. I really recommend it. Oh my gosh. Um, I read a lot of fiction, um, mostly actually. I don't read, um, I read poetry like in spurts or like at night I'll read poetry, but like to really get into a book I read, I love fiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read a lot of nonfiction. Oh, awesome. I actually, it's funny. I didn't really read a lot of poetry or a lot of fiction. I was a big nonfiction person, biographies and whatnot. And, but I tend to try to have like multiple genres that I'm reading depending on my mood. And, it, and I usually like read when the tub's filling up at night. <laughs> That's my one like weakness on the, my environmental weakness is I take a hot bath every night. And I, oh, I awesome. have like a whole stack of books on top of the toilet. <laughs> I just like reach and like will open up and try to read like a chapter or so. But that's why I also like book clubs because it really keeps you reading. And I yeah. read a lot of fiction in our book, book club, but I try to have us go all over the world. And that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So um, I know I didn't ask you to this to do this, to have a piece prepared. Do you, but do you have a piece of writing prepared that you could share? Or I can ask you another question and then maybe you can um, find something to share. Let me. Yes. That sounds good. If we could do that, I just have to, I don't have one ready. I'll pull one up. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't um, ask for that. We've, this good. is our first episode in relaunching typewriter talk. So um, you're kind of seeing us go through the growing pains of, because it's been a couple years of doing this. So, and uh, I've known Gloria, uh, I think it's been like 2000 probably before we keep saying Pilot started in 2013 it might have been either like 2010 or 2011 I met her at a reading at Boyd Hill uh, a good yeah. friend of mine mm -hmm. Andrea Anderson got a poetry event together and I met Gloria and I was like oh who is this young lady <laughs> no and that was so wonderful that event was so amazing it was so wonderful and I um need to we need to program some more stuff at Boyd Hill if you don't know about Boyd Hill we're based in St. Petersburg Florida and we call it kind of our central park of St. Petersburg because it's like 240 acres or something insane right in the middle of South St. Pete and it's it's a uh, connected to Lake Megory which is the the alligator home of <laughs> of our uh, everyone's like so afraid of alligators in Florida but we actually have mostly um, coastline so Lake Megory yeah. is a, our, our alligator um, central. Central. I was going to say incubator, <laughs> but yeah. So, do you have a piece? Are you ready? Or you need more, more time? Yes, I do, and it's actually um, nature related, so it's. Perfect. Oh, I love it! That's um, so perfect. Yeah, I. This is called it has a bleeding title, but I'm going to call it the manatee poem because that's what I've been calling it. 
Mm -hmm. And um, it is from the novel in verse that I'm working on. And it's set in the near future, kind of like uncanny. We don't know if it's like a couple years from now or many, many decades from now timeline, uh, but it's Mm -hmm. near future. And the only thing you need to know is like the character here works at a charging station. Um, So you'll hear it referred Mm -hmm. to by name. Um, but yeah, okay, I'll read this. Okay, go for it. We sell lighters shaped like alligators, manatees, and palm trees, aliens, flamingos, merfolk. All are made of thick plastic with paint that peels after a few uses. Technically, they're refillable, but no one ever buys the cartridges. Other semi-practical disposables for sale, condoms, energy boost syringes, anti-facial recognition contacts, and of course, Ronico air fresheners, ocean breeze scented cartoon suns wearing sunglasses that smell like the blue pills I drop into the toilets on Wednesdays. Maybe the ocean smelled like fabric softener before all the oil spills and fires. Cars pull up to charge every few minutes. Flux News plays as per Ronico policy on every screen. I've mastered the art of tuning it out. This low hum of Flux News anchors talking over one another. But then I see the headline, manatee removed from endangered list, now extinct. And I don't want to cry again today when everything feels like a mediocre slide spiraling into a dark pit, but you know, I'll shed much of myself onto this counter for my favorite animal. We let the manatee an animal with no known predator, go extinct. I reach for the manatee-shaped lighter. It flickers to life in my hand. We'll be sold out of these by the end of the week because people become nostalgic about animals as soon as they're gone. It's pathetic and pacifist. It's predatory. Thank you. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> visual. Oh my goodness. So emotional. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, I love the I love the way that you like use the lighters and the plastic and just the way that we consume things and totally ignore the beauty that's all around us and don't take care of it. Yep. Here we are. We are. Yep. Yeah, we are. Oh, so Gloria, I so appreciate you coming on this podcast, being our first guest as we reignite typewriter talks. Do you have one kind of favorite piece of writing advice that is kind of your go-to piece that you like to share? Can you share that with us? Oh, yeah, I would say like two, I, well, I have two, haha, <laughs> I'm a teacher. <laughs> be you, say, be you. 
I would say one is like, keep your eyes on your own paper. Like, I do not think this is a competition. There are mm. so many writers and we should all be supporting each other. And there's no need to compare to somebody else's timeline because that's all bullshit. Like, can I say bullshit? Oh, I said it twice. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's, yeah, go ahead. Okay. That's, so I think that's really important. And I think when you're, you know, a new writer, it can be really challenging to do that. Um, and I would say to map out those ideas, especially the ones that don't stop bugging you. Like, even if you can't get to them right now, like I have like an ideas notebook, just like get an ideas notebook and like map out the idea itself and give it time on a mm -hmm. page yeah. and then it will, it will begin to have a life. Like, again, even if you can't tend to it fully, cause we all have things going on. Um, just write bits of it, like a little scrap of it down and like start to map it and then just leave it alone and you can come yeah. back to that. I love that. I just was on the jar podcast. This guy goes all over the country and asks people's questions from this big jar of this book he wrote. <laughs> it was so fascinating. And we cool. talked about, yeah, it was wild. And um, he talked about um, that he is much more in, interested in things that take time in like a clay pot as opposed to a walk. So yeah. like a walk cooks really, really fast, but a clay pot, yes. you set it and you put it on the fire and let it naturally cook. And so I like that yeah. idea of getting the, the ideas down and write them down and let them marinate. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. A little for bit. Sure. Gloria, thank you so much. Thank, thank you everyone. You. Yes. Thank you everyone for turning into typewriter talks. Um, we will be back weekly. That's the goal, but we'll see what typewriter talks wants to do. <laughs> I, once again, like this is its own medium in its own format. So it might want to take a week off, but yes, thank you for joining us. Um, please, if you're interested in keep St. Pete lit, you can find us at keepstpetelit.org. We are a nonprofit organization and we have all types of events that we offer our community. Gloria, thank you again. And thank, thank you, you everyone so for tuning into Typewater Talks. We'll see you next week.